You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Uh, as we are in the Christmas season, no doubt you've shifted from uh, Thanksgiving to thinking about Christmas. Uh, usually it happens right the day after. Some of you even go shopping the day after, I'm sure. Hopefully you had a very peaceful Thanksgiving that you took my advice and you did your best to be at peace with all people, and that the, your holiday was indeed uh, peaceful. But now we're thinking about Christmas. In fact, probably as you went through different stores and even as you went grocery shopping, you're like, already? It's not even the end of November, and already the Christmas decorations are out and everything is around. But yes, we are into the Christmas season. And I want to start a new series of messages called Five Must-Have Gifts for Christmas. Uh, five things that we need and five things that Advent teaches us. And if we have them in abundance, we'll not only have a blessed Christmas, but you will have a blessed life as well. Uh, There are five gifts of Advent. There's hope, love, joy, peace, and of course, Jesus is the greatest gift of all. Now, why do we need them? Why do we need them? Because you cannot give a gift that you yourself do not have can't give a gift that you yourself do not have. There's no IOUs at Christmas. You can't hand someone a piece of paper saying, I promise in a month's time I'll give you this gift. You can't have a a, a wrapped up box that says, next Christmas I promise you this gift will be better than the one that I'm not giving you right now. So in the same way, you can't give a gift to someone that you don't have. In the same way, you can't give love if you don't have love in your heart. You can't share joy unless you are a joyful person. You can't bring peace if you don't have peace inside your heart. And you certainly can't give hope if you're hopeless. Uh, This is such an important lesson for us today as Christians because... Many times, as we get further along in our walk with the Lord, we can become complacent, despondent, uh, lazy, bored, um, just losing the joy of our salvation in so many different ways, which is incredibly difficult because if we are trying to tell people that this is the way, the truth, and the life, and our life looks like a boring, mundane, unexciting uh, lackluster, not joy-filled life, then we're going to have some problems convincing people that this is what they need. So it's really a reminder to us that we would truly be joyful once again. Every year you hear about must-have gifts, whether you're on social media or if you're in your email and you have the uh, free email as opposed to the paid email and you get the ads rolling into your inbox or maybe you're getting uh, those spam emails from that place you ordered something from once and then you're getting like five to six emails a day saying don't you want more tires or don't you want something else I'm going to lose this thing right here tired of fighting with it there that's a little bit better (laughs) trying to be cool and that's what happens throughout my life anytime I've tried to be cool It just doesn't look cool no matter how hard I try. 
But you've probably had them come through. You've had emails come through, maybe in your social media, uh, things that you've just kind of browsed for, show up in your social media. Uh, maybe you've been going through things and you get the catalogs in the mail and they said, these are things, these are the must-have gifts for this year, right? Whether they're tech gadgets, fashion trends, even toy lists are presented to the public as things that you must buy or you will miss out. You don't want to miss out. So you have to have the latest thing. You don't want your your children or your family members to miss out. Otherwise, they might think that you're a lousy gift giver, which you know is not true. But it creates just enough fear in you. You go, I better get that just in case. I don't want to miss out. These are must-have gifts. Do you remember growing up and you used to get a catalog in the mail? Do you remember those catalogs that would come in the mail? And sometimes you still get them now. But I remember being a little kid and I loved, like, the toy catalog. Sometimes you get the Sunday paper, and they'd have the toy catalog in there as a little, as a little Valeri looking through that catalog and just looking at all the things that I really, really wanted. And maybe, you know, you, know, you were like me, and you had that pen, and you kind of circled the things that you wanted, and you saw the price tag on it, and you knew that you probably were never going to get those things, but you, you still looked through it anyway, and you still circled the things. You go, oh, that would be really cool. Maybe even cut it out and hung it up, like, in your bedroom somewhere. And then Christmas actually came, and so few of those things actually ended up underneath your tree. So it went from this excitement and exuberance to, eh, well, socks and underwear. You know, the kind of disappointing things that you would get. And why would they always put it in a box? And they put it in a big box, and they'd wrap it up. Don't wrap it up. Leave it in just a regular cardboard box so that I'm not excited about opening a big box of socks and underwear. And I know you never did that to your kids because you wouldn't do that. That's not, the, that's not the way you operate. But in my household, an Italian household, our tradition was after Christmas Eve service, we could go to the house and we could pick out one gift and you could pick out that one gift to unwrap. And like a sucker, I went for the big one and I would open it up and it would be, literally, it would be socks and underwear. So it was different. It was certainly a challenge. So... Uh, There are times we can be disappointed by these things, but I want to talk about a must-have gift for us today, and that must-have gift is hope. We need hope more than anything. Hope is so important to the life that we live right now. And I want to take a look at two characters from the Christmas story that we don't really pay too much attention to. You won't have a nativity character for either of these characters in in the Bible story. Um, even though you might have the little drummer boy, which really wasn't there anyway. That's just a song. That's just a story somewhere. But I want to talk about two characters there. They're Anna and Simeon. Anna and Simeon. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. And um, I'm going to just, you can turn there, but don't worry if you don't have it. Uh, I'm just going to kind of explain it to you and kind of paraphrase a little bit, paraphrase a little bit as we look at it today. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. And if you want to turn there, turn to Luke uh, 2, 25 through 40. And I want you to look at this, and as I kind of talk about it today, both Simeon and Anna were looking for the consolation of Israel, which means they were waiting for one who would bring hope and comfort to the weary nation of Israel. That that person that they were looking for was the Messiah. That person they were looking for was for Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about something, too, because we sometimes look at hope and we say, okay, well, hope is difficult to have because hope is sometimes elusive because of disappointment or difficulties we go through. 
And because of those things, we sometimes uh, choose to allow hope to be something that's unattainable, or we just give up hope entirely. I want you to know something about the nation of Israel. For 586 years before the coming of Christ, the people of Israel had been oppressed by other nations. They were conquered by the Babylonians, uh, by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, by the Persians, by the Greeks, and then by the Romans. 586 years of being under Gentile oppression, never having their own king to rule over them, never having their own nation to call their own. They always had to speak a different language. They always had to use the currency of that empire, and they always had to to be under submission to the rulers of that nation. For 586 years, they waited on it. Think about it this way. In the prophet Isaiah, we sometimes talk about um, around Christmas time, you'll get a Christmas card, and you'll have passages from Isaiah 7 or Isaiah uh, chapter 9, and it'll talk about, uh, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, uh, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Do you realize that was written 740 years before Christ was ever born? So how long must a nation wait? How long must a people wait for hope? But that hope of someday that they would have a king, that hope that someday they would have someone that would set them free from oppression was something they looked forward to intently and were hoping for and waiting for. And Anna and Simeon are two of those people. Let's get to know Simeon and Anna. Let's start with Simeon. So Simeon was... Uh, a man who loved and served God and who was faithful and righteous. And he was waiting for the coming Messiah who would bring hope to Israel because he knew that if this Messiah came, he would set them free from their oppressors. He would reestablish the kingdom of Israel and he would sit on the throne forever. And so they were looking forward to that. But interestingly enough, it says that the Holy Spirit gave Simeon a promise and he was much older that he would not die before seeing the Christ. And so the Holy Spirit told him to go to the temple at a certain time of the day. You could go to the temple at any time, and the temple would be open for prayer. And here, the Holy Spirit speaks to Simeon. This is before the indwelling Holy Spirit. But instead, Simeon was moved upon by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple at a particular time, at a particular place. And when he did, he just so happened to be going there at the same time that Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus were going to the temple at a time where they were heading to the temple because eight days after Jesus had been born, it was required that each male child, each male Jewish child would be circumcised. And so they're bringing him to the temple. And just as God would have it, that God doesn't set up, there's no coincidences in God's plan. There's no coincidences in God's kingdom. You are where you're supposed to be at the time that you're supposed to be at because God is here and he wants to speak to you. So remember that wherever you are, there's no coincidences in God. He is working all the time to speak to us. And so he shows up there and when Simeon sees this couple, the Holy Spirit says to him, that's the child. That's the Messiah. That's the one that Israel has been waiting for. That's the one that you have been waiting for And Simeon, who is an old man at this point in his life, goes up to the 
uh, to Mary and Joseph, the Holy Family, and says to them, you know, can I pray for your child? The Lord told me that this day would come, and I can't believe that this day has actually came. And he lifts up the child and blesses the child. And I want you to listen to the words that he says, because he prophesies as well. Look at this in verses 29 through 35. He says this, holding the baby Jesus in his arms. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I want you to think about that. God gave a promise to Simeon that even though you're old, you won't die before you see the Savior of the nation. And so now he's received that promise and he can die in peace. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation for which you have prepared before the face of all people to a light to bring to uh, revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now this is really incredible when you think about it because the consolation is for the oppressed Jewish people. But Simeon says that this Jesus would bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to the people of Israel. So as you can imagine, this kind of stuns Mary and Joseph. Verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And then Simeon begins to say something to Mary in verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sign which will be spoken against. And yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And Simeon was saying to Mary, saying, this, this child is a joy to you, but it's also going to cause you heartache and sorrow, kind of speaking about the kind of death that Jesus would experience. What a moment. They think they're just going to the temple to dedicate Jesus, but Mary and Joseph and Jesus had an experience that was an unbelievable experience in the temple. Then, as, as if that weren't amazing enough, another person comes along just as Simeon is finishing blessing the child, and her name is Anna. Now, Anna's story is a bit of a sad one. If you were to read about Anna, it says that she was married when she was young, but then seven years after she married, her husband died. Just out of nowhere, just completely, uh, a complete loss to her family. And she was very much heartbroken in that moment. And it says, for 84 years she stayed a widow. If anyone could have lost hope, it was Anna. She lost her husband, but she didn't lose hope. Instead of falling into despair, she pressed into God. She lost her husband, but she didn't lose her faith. I want to say that again. She lost her husband. She lost her whole world, but she didn't lose her faith. She did not depart from the temple, but rather offered fasting and prayers to God on a daily basis for 84 years. What do you have to look forward to when your future is gone? Do you know what it was like to be a widow in Jewish culture at that time? It was the man that usually took care of the woman. It was the man that took the lead. As a woman, you had no future, no property, no prospect of children or grandchildren. Her situation was hopeless, but she found hope in the Lord. I want to challenge you today. I'll say it again. If you are feeling hopeless today, put your hope in the Lord, for he is the source of hope. 
What she couldn't change by her place in society, she went to God in prayer. What she couldn't change about her life, she couldn't enact change by who she was or where her status was in society, being just a widowed woman who is older with no descendants. She said, I still have something that I can do. I can pray, and God can bring about change. What kind of hope was she looking for? She was looking forward to seeing the Messiah. She was so faithful in her prayers that God would speak to her and people would regard her as a prophetess, which is rare for a woman in Jewish culture. People recognized that she was a praying woman and when she spoke, people listened because she heard from God. Her hope was realized when she saw the baby Jesus. She thanked God and had the privilege of seeing the Savior before she died. Not only that, but it says that she talked about Jesus to all those who are looking for redemption in Israel. She spoke to the next generation and told them about Jesus. Seeing Jesus was the reward for her hope, and her hope was rekindled. We sometimes need our hope to be rekindled. If your days and your life feels like it's been hopeless, sometimes you need someone to come along and tell you that there is hope to be had for the world that you're in and the life that you're living. Hope is rekindled when it's renewed. These two elderly saints were filled with renewed hope because that which they put their hope in was finally seen. God rewards hope. I'll say that again. God rewards hope. He rewards faith. And this sort of hope is not a short game. It's not for the impatient. Hope is sometimes a game of waiting, a test of endurance and faithfulness to see if you're true to it. Now, there's four things I want you to remember about hope. And if you don't remember anything else, I want you to write it down. Okay, four things. Hope, number one, does not look backwards. It looks forwards. One of the biggest things that you'll face in your life that will be a detriment to hope for your future will be that you will constantly look back to the past and say, that didn't work out, that didn't work out, this didn't work out, and so why bother hoping? I want to encourage you today that hope is one of the most valuable things that you can have in your life. It's the thing that will keep you going in the midst of it. If you have no hope, sometimes it feels like that life is not worth living. But I want to tell you today that life is is indeed worth living. And yes, there are moments of hopelessness. Yes, there are moments where you can't make ends meet. Yes, there's moments where everyone who you thought was going to be with you is no longer with you anymore. But it doesn't mean that you should give up hope because God is a God of hope and he is present for us when we need him. Hope doesn't look backwards. It always looks forward. Are you constantly looking at your past? instead of looking forward to what God might have for you next? Are you keep looking, about, looking back towards the disappointments that you used to have? Or are you looking forward to, God, I know I've been through a lot. God, I know I have the scars to show for it. God, I know that my bank account has seen better days. I know that my body has seen better days. I know that I had more friends than I do right now at this point in my life. But Lord, I choose to trust you and to look forward to what do you have for me Next. Secondly, hope is based on a promise that was made. Usually you'll find that hope is centered around some kind of promise. 
And conversely, hope is dashed when a promise is broken. I don't have time to talk about the importance of being a person of your word and how your promise can make or break somebody else. But it's important to understand that hope is based on a promise. Thirdly, joy is found when hope is realized, when you finally experience that which you had hope in, when you finally see the thing that you have hope in, when that happens, another gift comes into the forefront. It's joy. It's happiness. It's the realization that God was good or the promise came to pass. Think of Anna and Simeon. They found joy and happiness when their hope was realized. And the fourth thing is that hope is meant to be shared with others. It's the gift that you must have in order to give to someone else. There's another passage of Scripture I want us to look at today, just real briefly. It's in Romans 5, verses 1 through 8. It says this in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we also have access by faith into this grace which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Think of those three things. By faith we have, one, peace, two, access to grace, and three, the glory of God. Just by that one sentence alone, our faith can release those things to us. And not only that, but we also glory, or another word for that would be rejoice in tribulation. Knowing tribulation produces perseverance or endurance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And these are the things that God is building within us. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Verse 6, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That means you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. He's saying no one's going to die for a righteous man, and for a good man someone might die. But think about it, that we were all, at one point in time, we were so sinful and so far from God that no one was willing to die for us. You think about, like, the friends that you have. Think of that one friend that you have that's just a complete train wreck. Like, everything they say is vulgar. Everything that they do is kind of, like, questionable. They have uh, kind of ethics that are not even quite there. And you're thinking to yourself, man, this person's a bad person. None of us would die for a person like that. We might hang out with them. We might be friends with them. But Jesus died for people like that. Jesus died for people like us so that we could know Christ, so that we could experience hope and salvation. Verse 5, I feel this word in my spirit today, and this hope does not disappoint us. And this hope does not disappoint us. Every other hope that we might have had in this life might lead to disappointment. The reason why many people today do not have hope is because they've experienced disappointment. Hope for a future that was never realized. Dreams dashed. Hopes crushed. Maybe it was an engagement that was broken off. 
Maybe it was an unexpected divorce. Maybe it was a job interview that you went through three or four different interviews. And oh Lord, for the love of God, please not one more interview. And then you get the email that you don't even get the decency of a call. And they say, we found someone else. How disappointing is that when you have your hopes hung on the possibility of a better job? Maybe it was a business partnership with a friend that failed and you lost not only money, but you lost that friend too. Or maybe as you've gotten older, the hopes of success have eluded you and you've lost all sense of hope. Maybe it's a chronic illness that you've dealt with most of your life and you've lost all hope of ever getting better. I want to speak to the hopeless person today. I want to speak to the person that no longer puts his hope in anyone or anything. Can I just challenge you today to believe and have hope once more and stop putting your hope and stop putting your disappointments in the past and the, the failures of the people of the past. Those were people that wasn't God. That, those, that was not your future. That's not the plan that God has for you. Don't let it make you jaded. Don't let it make you bitter. Don't let it make you to be a miserable person. But today, can I just inject a little hope into your life this morning and just challenge you today to believe that there is hope. You may be hopeless, but God is a God of hope. You may be hopeless, but God is a God of hope, and you need hope. Why? Why do you need hope? Because in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the apostle Paul talks all about love, and he says, everything else will disappear. Every expression, every gift of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit in operation will disappear. So these things will, you know, tongues will cease, prophecies will cease. It doesn't mean they'll cease in this world. It means it will cease when perfection comes. This is not perfection. Heaven is perfection. You won't need healing when you're in heaven. You won't need prophecy in heaven because you have the fulfillment of prophecy right before you. But what will be perfection? Perfection will be being in heaven at long last. No more aches in your body. No more uh, waking up tired and exhausted all the time. No more wondering, what, when am I going to die? Because you're never going to die again. If that's the future and the hope that we have in heaven. That sounds pretty perfect to me. I'm looking forward to that perfection. But he says everything else is going to be done away with. Everything else will cease to exist. But three things remain. Three things remain. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So if you don't have hope now, you are going to be coming up short when you arrive in heaven. The hope that you have in this life with Christ is the hope that you'll take with you into eternity. All right, breathe, Dan. Breathe. It's okay. Hold on. Hallelujah. Disappointment leads to hopelessness. And we are disappointed by those who broke promises. But for the Christian, we must remember that our hope is not in the promises of man, but in the promises of God. God always keeps his promises. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't need to lie to get people to follow him. The truth is just so much better. 
He doesn't need to lie to get you to follow him because his promises are so much better. People follow God because he's true to his word. But sometimes you have to wait for the promise. But if the Lord is the one who made the promise to you, then you can have confidence that he'll keep that promise. Look at Simeon. He had a promise from God that he would not die before he would see the Lord's Christ. He wouldn't die until he got to see Jesus with his own eyes. And he did. As an old man, he got to hold the baby Jesus and bless not only him, but his parents. Their hope was Jesus. Their hope for salvation for the nation and salvation for the souls of all people was Jesus. Jesus is hope. Jesus is our hope. He didn't save us when we were perfect, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the hope we have. Our hope isn't in something temporary like a job or the latest styles of clothes or how much money we have. Our hope isn't in our physical health or our good genetics. Our hope isn't in any of these things, but our hope is in the eternal word of God and the words of man who said that heaven and earth itself would pass away, but not one dot Not one crossed T or dotted I would pass away, but his word would endure forever. That's where your hope comes from. That's where you should be putting your trust and your faith in. Put your faith and trust in his promises. Because when you do, your hope is in eternal things, not temporary things. They're here one moment and gone the next. Hope for the next generation. Both Anna and Simeon held on to the promise that God gave them that they would receive it. And they blessed the next generation. Here's a question for us. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? You see, as a recipient of hope, we have a tremendous responsibility to give hope to someone else. There's a time in my life I didn't want to do ministry anymore been through some things, experienced some stuff, and I was just kind of tired of the whole thing because people can be awful sometimes. And I said, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Maybe you've been through that. Maybe you've been to churches and you're like, I love that church. I had a good time in that church, but then people turned on you. And you said to yourself, I don't want to do church anymore. If that's how people are and if that's how God is, I don't want to do that anymore. But what did it take? It took someone to come along into your life and speak into your life and give you hope again. You sit in a building. Its name is Living Hope. The reason why that is, because as a recipient of hope, I have a responsibility to give hope. This place is a place for the broken. This place is a place for people that are burnt out on life, God, and church. And it's a place where God does a healing work in your soul (laughs) and he awakens you once again, awakens you like a sleeping giant, raises you up from the grave that you were in, and you kind of say, you know what, I still do love God. I'm not so sure about people anymore. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Let's be honest, it takes time. But it awakens you to love God once again. And what it took for me and my wife at a time that we were very, in just a tough spot, it took men of God that would reach out into our life, men like Bill Button, men like Pastor Wayne Schur, who reached into our life and said, how are you doing? Are you okay? What's going on? And, and, 
and let us grieve. Let us be sad. Let us mourn. And then spoke hope. You see, in that moment, I didn't have hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? There wasn't anything to give to you people at that time because I didn't have anything left. But what it took is that someone who had hope and presented it to me as a gift and says, listen, God's not like that. God still has a plan for your life. There were times where they let us, we would go over their house and we'd have dinner with them and they'd just encourage us and love on us. There were times that they would just send us away for a week and just me and my wife so that we could just rest and be renewed. And, and, and they did that for us. And there was times that they helped take care of my family when we didn't have anything to take care of my family. And you know what it gave me? It gave me hope. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So I don't speak to you today as someone who is not a recipient of that. I'm not speaking to you as the, today as someone who has pie in the sky or has some ideal view of the world that somehow is not reality. But it took someone who had hope to give me hope. And then as a result of that, I made it my mission. I made it my goal that every single person that I come in contact with, I would give what I've received. I would give hope to them. I would be the one that would send them away for a weekend so they could rest and be renewed. I would be the one that sit with them over coffee. I would be the one with them that would invite them to my table and encourage them. I would be the one that would be there for them. Why? Because someone else was. Hallelujah. And I stand here today. I stand here today because of them. So what does that mean for me? It means that I have a responsibility to give hope to others. I have a responsibility to give what I have received. Freely you've received, freely give. And now I'm able to sit down with people and give them tangible expressions of hope. Not just words. Listen to me, church. Not just words, but give of yourself. Be there for people. And share with those around you. We live in a hopeless world today. And instead of just keeping your head down and just kind of walking through this hopeless world and say, they're over there and I'm over here. I'm on this side of the sanctuary. They're on that side of the sanctuary. That's my neighbor. They're on that side of the street. I'm on this side of the street. And I just kind of keep my head down. And I just keep going. Well, everybody else is just looking for hope. Everybody else is just barely hanging on by a thread. This season is just known for just so many people ending their lives and committing suicide. Why? Because they don't have any hope. So it's easy for us to keep our heads down and just say, it's just about me. But can I just encourage you to lift your head up, look for the people that need hope around you, and to bring hope to people that need it? Because we need that more than anything else. Share hope with those around you. This morning, maybe you feel like you have no hope. Maybe you feel like giving up. Giving up hope that your husband or your kids will ever get on the right path. You ever finding the right job. You ever finding hope and security or happiness or finding someone to love or, or to just know what it is to... to have a moment where you're not stressed out. Maybe you're just in a situation where you need hope. 
Can I challenge you today that hope is not found in me? It's not found in even any of us that are seated here. It's found in the Lord. Because if we put our hope in him, he's a person that keeps his promises. He's a person that loves us and will see us through. And even though there are things in this life that will disappoint us, and trust me, you'll experience disappointment. Maybe you're experiencing it right now. But I want you to know this, that the Lord is always faithful to his promise. He's always faithful to his word, and he's a person of his word, and he will see you through. Perhaps with heads bowed and eyes closed, if I can just ask you today, do you need hope? What is the thing right now that you've almost given up hope on? Can you think of that thing? What is the thing that you've almost completely given hope, up hope on? Maybe it's something for your family. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a promise that was made that was broken. Maybe you just feel like, you know, at this point in my life, I've just given up. Maybe you've even given up praying for something because you feel like there's no hope. This morning, I want you to know, as we begin this Advent season, the gift of hope is available to you this morning. And I want you to take that thing that you feel that's hopeless right now, I want you to hold it in your hand, and then in a moment, we're going to pray. And I want you, when I'm done praying, to leave your seat and to come to the front, and we're going to pray for that thing. Because even though you might not have any more hope, we have hope. Even though you might feel like there is no more hope, the Lord would say differently, and he has other plans in mind. So we, you can either walk out of here with that thing that you've given up hope on, or you can walk to the front in a moment here, and we can stand with you, pray with you, cry with you, and believe God with you for the thing that you've already given up hope on. Do you believe that today? Hear me when I say it. This, this front of the room is open to every single person in here to be able to be prayed for. You don't have to be part of this church. You don't even have to be a Christian. The most important thing is that you recognize that God is here and he wants to meet with you today. Can you do that with me? Don't just walk out and go, oh, yeah, that was a good message. No, it's time to look to the Lord who can give us hope. So let's pray. And when I'm done praying, just make your way forward. We're going to just worship the Lord a little more, and we're going to just pray together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's pray. God, we look to you. God, we look to you today. Thank you that you are our living hope this morning. Thank you that you are the grace that invaded our life in such a tangible way. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that showed us the way out. Thank you, Lord, that we're here by grace alone, Lord God. And some of us just dragged ourselves in here. It was tough to even get here. Maybe the kids were being difficult. Maybe we were having a disagreement with our spouse on the way in. It could have been anything today, but we're here, God, and you're here to meet with us. So today, I pray for those that need hope. 
Lord, you are our hope. You are our consolation. You are our comfort. We long for Jesus to come in and to reign as king over our life, over our situation, over our family, over our work situation, Lord God. We look to you to be king and to take your place on the throne of our hearts. So today I pray, move us from hopelessness to hopefulness in you today. And we look to you, God, knowing that you are able and capable. We might not have it ourselves, but we're going to go to the place that we know that we can get hope. And I pray that you would help us to realize that today and experience your grace and goodness this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.